Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Warning. This podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And welcome to the March listeners episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite school friend, Jessica. Hello. Hello, hello. And today we are bringing you your stories that you have submitted to us. We have spooky tales and a true crime story as well that we are very excited about that I called dibs on this time. Yeah, I'm a little salty, (laughs) but I love Tara. (laughs) She got the last one, so it was my turn. She's like, would you hate me if I did this? And like, it was like a half a second. I was like, yes. And I realized we have to go back to preschool and learn to share. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, But before we get started, if you are new here, hello and welcome. And thank you for tuning into our show. If you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Three Spooked Girls. We also have a handy link tree in the show notes. You can click and find us in all the places there as well. And we have an amazing Facebook group called Three Spooked Girls Official. We do all kinds of stuff over there, conversations, watch parties, live streams sometimes. Uh, We have our spring one coming up that Jessica and I are going to be planning soon. So definitely check that out. If you would like to support the show and get a shout out to like our newest patrons we'll have in the middle of this episode, you can come hang out with us over on patreon.com slash three spooked girls. For as little as a dollar, you get access to bonus content, which is episodes for you each and every month. Two and up get extra bonus content. We have the regular bonus episodes, Jessica Slaughter's movie reviews, which is a twice a month bonus episode thing for them. So they get three bonus episodes. Higher tiers get video content, live streams, and stickers, swag, all kinds of great stuff. You can go check that out over there. Everything's laid out for you there. We appreciate each and every one of you. But yeah, that's all that great stuff. And if you would like to support us for free, we would really appreciate a five-star review either on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts. That helps spread the word. And even just telling your friends who love the spooky and true crime topics that we talk about, letting them know that we exist and bringing them into the Spookster family. We would love, love, love that. 
And if you would like any of your personal encounter stories, whether they are paranormal or some kind of personal tie to a true crime story, you can email that over to us at threespookedgirls at gmail.com or DM us on any of our socials that I mentioned previously. We would love to read them on the show, but I'm going to hand it over to my lovely ghoul friend to kick us off with our first story. Okay, so we're going to kick it off. Our first story is coming from a new listener by the name of Lindsay. And Lindsay writes us and says, Hey guys, my name is Lindsay and I'm a new listener, but since I started listening, I can't stop. Well, we appreciate that you can't stop because we do it for the listeners. Hell yeah. Thank you for the binge listening. Uh, and then she goes on to say, you guys are great. Thank you, Lindsay. Oh, thanks. I wanted to send in a story, but I have so many that I couldn't decide which ones I wanted to email. My husband said I should tell y'all about our stay at the Renaissance Hotel in Portsmouth, Virginia. But I'm pretty sure that was a sleep paralysis demon. So I chose the time I caught a flying skull on camera. So my story is from when I was a teenager. I've had weird things happen to me a bunch of times. And I've always been a believer in the supernatural. So when I was about 16, 17 in 2007, I lived in a small town called Buttonwood, Pennsylvania. And now I reside in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I absolutely love it here. But anywho, so my best friend at the time, Amanda, lived with me and my parents, and we were going out gallivanting, as my dad would call it. The sun was going down, and we decided that we would take the shortcut back to my house, which was a wooded area that separated my town, Buttonwood, from the nearing town, Hanover Green. It wasn't a long stretch of woods, or really, I don't even know if it could be labeled actual woods, but that's what we call it. People from the area call it Buttonwood Woods. So this particular patch of woods was apparently haunted. No one knows by what or by who, but there has been a lot of stories by other people in the town. I never believed it, so I always walked through them anyway with no issues. But no one would ever walk through them at night, even though it was a shortcut. I did find it a little spooky, but I was a kid and I would laugh it off because nothing phases us at that age. But this night, for some reason, Amanda and I decided we would take a chance despite all the stories we heard and how many people told us not to go in there at night. We decided we were going to be brave and record while we were walking through it. And at the time we were walking through, nothing seemed weird. But we noticed it was extremely quiet. Like there was no sound. I've never heard it so quiet. So once we realized that, we got freaked out and we booked it out of there still recording on the cell phone. Once we were out of the woods, onto my street, we felt like we had survived something and laughed it off like it was nothing. In my house, in my kitchen, hanging out, we decided to check the video, and what we saw, we couldn't believe it. We must have watched it a million times, trying to explain it. We were freaked out. On the path that we were taking, coming straight towards us on camera, was a darkened, skull-shaped object flying right towards us. We didn't see it with our own eyes. There was nothing there in the woods that we saw. Remember, the sun was just starting to go down, and it was only halfway behind the mountains. So it was still light enough out that we could see something coming at us. I'm like hyperventilating at this point, and my friend is losing her shit. In the middle of our panic attacks, my mom comes downstairs, and I show her the video, and she freaks out, starts yelling to delete it, that we were bringing a poltergeist into the house. And I'm, like, even more freaked out now. My mom was about to bless the house with holy water, (laughs) and she was serious. 
I knew my mom didn't like anything supernatural, but I never saw her act like this before. So it scared me a bit. What the hell did we catch on video? One of my friends lived across the street from me and I texted him to tell him about the video and that we were going to send it to him to try to debunk. Except when we tried to send the video, it wouldn't send. It kept freezing or just wouldn't work. After trying everything we could think of, we said we'd show him in the morning in person because he was at work and it was pretty late. So we all go on with our night, still a little freaked out, but we sleep through the night. The next day, when we go to send him the video, it was gone. The video was just gone like it never existed. I didn't delete it and my friend swears she didn't delete it either. I still don't have a logical explanation for what happened and I never walked through those woods again. I'll never forget my mom's reaction when she watched it. It still gives me goosebumps thinking about it. I later found out from my dad that this area of land has lots of arrowheads that he goes and digs for. He said that it could have been an old native spirit trying to scare us off the land. If that's what happened, they definitely succeeded. Moral of the story, don't go into places people warn you not to go into. Just listen. Thanks so much for reading and I hope you enjoy it. And I'm sleeping with the lights on now. Okay, I am going to read a actually a continuous or continue on story slash another story because these are both really short. This is from our listener, Richard. If you heard a while back, he sent us an encounter at Rolling Hills Asylum, but he says, hi again, I'm here with a couple more stories. As I was listening to you read my story, I realized how much more I had to share. So here we go. On the same field trip that I mentioned in my previous email, the entire group, along with Sharon, current owner of the property, sat along a long hospital-like hallway just to see if we could hear or see anything because she mentioned how common it was to see former patients trying to leave their rooms. Ewy. Me? No. Likey. I don't like that either, but I like how he typed that. (laughs) It was absolutely silent. You could hear a mouse fart. It was so quiet. Sharon decided to make it seem like she was a patient who needed a nurse, and at this point, I started to audio record as our Lord and Savior, Zach Baggins, taught us, lol. She yelled for a nurse to help her, and she said that there was a man bothering her, but we heard nothing. However, my iPod caught a distinct voice of an older man yelling, yeah, right after she called for a nurse. I mean, it's not exactly the intelligent response we hoped for, but I'll take it. I'll look to see if I can find it and attach another email right here after this one later tonight. Well, we never got a follow-up, so Richard, if you're listening and you got the audio, send it to us so we could put it on our socials. And his other story is... My second story takes place at Buffalo Central Terminal, which is very interesting if you want to cover that one. I was accompanied by my boyfriend, my cousin, and our friend, and we did a nighttime ghost tour this past summer. These are open to the public on select dates. It was kind of uneventful for the most part, aside from us thinking we heard a voice when we had a radio on, a white noise frequency. Meh. But something had happened towards the end that had the four of us scratching our heads. We were in the old apartment of one of the previous owners of the terminal, and the area is obviously a mess due to it being abandoned for decades. We were just about to walk out of the room when an imprint of a full-on hand pushes through the wall as if the wall were made of jelly and someone on the other side of the wall was pushing through it. We had told our tour guide about this and he laughed and dismissed it as thin walls that someone had their hands on. But we literally went back to the wall and had one of us push on it while the rest of us stood on the other side. Absolutely no imprint was made, no matter how hard he pushed. Also, is it even possible to make a handprint push through a solid wall? I don't think so. 
And then he said, I apologize for the super long email again. I'll send over the voice recording if I can find it tonight. Thank you for doing what you do. Aw, well, thank you for listening. And if you got that voice recording, send it to us for sure. Please. Yes, yes. We love the creepy shit because we appreciated the pictures that you sent before. Those were creepy. (laughs) It's true. Okay, we are going to take a quick break to say thank you to all of our newest patrons. Since the last time we recorded a listener's episode, we want to say thank you to our newest patrons, Mindy, Emily, Lori, Suzanne, Daisy, Marissa S., Julie, Jonah, Nancy, Janet, Ashley, Rowan, Lindsay. And we also want to say thank you to the following patrons who upped their donations, Mary, Delaney, Jamie, and Mandy. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We really, really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. Are you ready to tell us our next story? I am. So our next story actually comes from Mary, who Tara just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Mary writes, My grandfather and I were really close growing up. When I was born, he always called me Peanut because of how small I was at birth. Two pounds. That is a tiny baby. Mm-hmm. So little. He passed away when I was in eighth grade, and I always had a really hard time with it. I would always go to him when I had a problem and needed someone to talk to. Fast forward quite a few years to my mid-twenties. I had recently found out that my boyfriend of six years, now hubby, and I were expecting, and I hadn't told anyone yet. I was nervous because I was unmarried, and I come from a very religious family. When I went to bed that night, I had the most vivid dream I have ever had. In my dream, my grandfather and I were sitting at the kitchen table talking over a bowl of ice cream. His was always amaretto, just like when I was a kid. In my dream, he apologized for not being there for me, but that I should tell my family because they all loved me and everything would be all right. He told me that he loved me and that he absolutely loved this baby. Oh my God, I might cry. Right? And that I would have a peanut of my own. Oh, my God, Mary, kill me over here. I'm just going to cry. Sweetest thing I've ever read. At the end of the dream, he gave me a hug. And when I woke up, I felt like someone's arms were around me, giving me a hug. I started crying and asked for a sign that he was there. And I can't explain what happened next. But the necklace he gave me for my birthday one year, a peanut, of course, was sitting on my dresser next to my jewelry box, rather in the little drawer that it was kept in. I like to believe that my grandpa came to me in my time of need and continues to watch the family. Aww. And Mary continues on with a second story. Please don't be another, like, heart-wrenching <laughs> one because I don't know whether to cry or what. It's <laughs> <Just> like, oh. <laughs> this story is my mom's, and it always involves strange dreams. My mom is a very devout Catholic woman and has always been very religious. When she was pregnant with me, she became incredibly sick and was on bed rest in the hospital for three months before I was born. They induced her early because of fears of complication. One night at the hospital, she had a dream that her father, who had died before I was born, and Mother Mary came to her. Both were there to comfort her and let her know that everything was going to be okay and that I was going to be just fine. She said in the dream, Mother Mary showed her different images of what I looked like growing up. The day little two pound, four ounces of me entered the world, my mom said she cried and cried because I looked exactly like in her dream. That's pretty terrifying and awesome all at the same same time. Mm -hmm. The hospital told her that I probably wouldn't make it because I was the smallest baby they'd ever seen in the NICU. Being a new mom, those are the last words you want to hear. 
but she felt strong and encouraged that somehow it would be okay. I didn't stay in the NICU very long, but unlike most preemies, I had no issues with my lungs, heart, and eyes. I was completely healthy and as strong as I could be for my size. That's amazing. My mom will still look at me randomly and start crying because she claims she's already seen that moment in time, like on my wedding day. Whether you're religious or not, she strongly believes in the experience and that it was the dream that gave me my name, Mary. She's had other experiences too, but we'll save those for another day. Thanks for sharing. Love the podcast and keep being awesome. Thank you, Mary. Oh my gosh, your stories are so amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. They're not terrifying, but like they're amazing and I love them. Thank you for sharing those with us. Those are so personal too. Mm-hmm. And now to shift, Tara is going to tell us a story written to us by another Mary that I'm a little salty about. <laughs> <laughs> so sit over here and be salty. So I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we had a true crime story, and we do. If you guys are kind of confused on what we mean by true crime stories, think of it like hometown murders, or say if you guys had a neighbor who was a serial killer, or your mom knew somebody, or something like that. Any kind of story like that will do. And uh, this one kind of blew our socks off. So uh, thank you, Mary. So Mary writes... I want to start this off by saying I'm not a writer and I appreciate you always reading my stories and taking the time to tell them on your podcast. It's my favorite. My boss and I have a really weird relationship. He is somewhat of a grandfather figure to me and I am what he calls the closest thing to a grandkid that he will ever want. We are Native American and work at our tribal nation. We have a different work environment here. He knows that I love your show and actually many true crime podcasts and documentaries. He calls them my spooky shows. He stopped me when I was getting some paperwork together for him to sign. Extremely casual, by the way. He started off the conversation with a story about how his first wife called him the night before. In the pettiest way I have ever seen it done, rolls his eyes and grabs his forehead. He said that her phone call reminded him of a time that they met Ted Bundy. Yes, the Ted Bundy. How do you forget something like that? (laughs) Hence Jessica being pissed that I'm reading this. Uh, murdering monster not attractive at all crazy ass theodore bundy we always asterisk that by saying attractive for the time he's not zach efron that was mary's words i was reading jessica okay calm down i know i know obviously i froze and the only thing that came out of my mouth was you're shitting me He didn't appreciate my language and then went on to further explain. He said back in the 70s, him and his first wife went on vacation in Utah. On the way back, they stopped at a gas station on the border of Utah. His wife told my boss that there was a man at the gas station looking for a ride and flirting with her and some other woman coming out of the restroom. He was out of gas money, I guess. I asked my boss if that set off any alarms for him. He said it was just a different time. Sure, boss. Anyway, they stopped in Colorado and, surprise, surprise, that motherfucker was there at the gas station too. His wife was obviously creeped out, as any woman or person on this earth was, except my boss. His wife saw Ted and told my boss that she wanted to leave because she didn't get a good feeling from that man. My boss decided to take matters into his own hands. He got into that guy's, aka serial killer Ted Bundy, in his face and told him that if he saw him conveniently at the next stop, he would kick his ass. Months later, my boss's first wife was looking at some news story and saw that man's face. The article went on to say that he was arrested the previous year in Utah for the assault and attempted kidnapping of a 16-year-old girl. Needless to say, my boss never heard the end of it. Years later, after the divorce, he gets a phone call from the first wife to turn on the news. 
the man was on the news for the multiple murders he was responsible for in multiple states. So his ass had to hear it all over again. At this point, I am vigorously nodding my head in agreement with his first wife. Ten or so years after their encounter, Ted Bundy was executed. My boss called his first wife to say he never wanted to hear about that bastard again. He still rolls his eyes in the pettiest, most dramatic way a man over 60 can when he hears that dirty son of bitch's name. After he was done with his story, he showed me a picture of his first wife, and she fit the bill for the women Ted Bundy targeted. I was in shock after he was done with his story. I asked if it was okay to tell his story to you wonderful people, and he agreed. And that's Mary's story with her boss and Ted Bundy. Jesus, like... I mean, I kind of want to meet this man. Like, he yelled at Ted Bundy. Right? I know. I literally, when I read this, because it popped through and I saw it first, I just put in all caps. I was like, oh, my God, what? What the fuck? (laughs) I was just like, are you fucking serious? Oh, my God. It was so wild. It was insane. But thank you, Mary, for sending us that story. Holy shit. We never expected to ever know anybody who knew somebody who had that kind of experience. That is so fucking wild. (laughs) Yes. And if you have an experience like that or are related to or know or bumped into a serial killer or any kind of high profile, let us know. We want to share your story. I mean, that's if you want to. Well, it doesn't even have to be high profile like anything in that realm. That's kind of what we're looking for as far as true crime stories go. Mm -hmm. And of course, the spooky ones are pretty self-explanatory since those are the ones we have been reading for almost two years now for you guys. So we appreciate those as well. They're always so fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you would like to have your story read on here, you can email those over to us at threespookedgirls at gmail.com or DM the Facebook like page. That's usually the best place for that. But with that, we are going to wrap things up for today. So thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you and hope you are all doing well. And we will see you on Thursday for the next Stabby Snippet. Bye, guys. Bye.